Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a friend of mine was a professional working 60 hours a week with two young children, and she finally decided to change her life and chose to resign from work to be a homemaker instead. This was despite the cost of her graduate education and all the years of building her professional career. She hadn't dared stop working when she was pregnant or with young infants because she knew she would fall behind and lose her professional standing. It was a major life transition and decision for her and her spouse. She called me three months into her new life and I, and I expected her to be calm, living into this new chapter with a sense of wonder and relief. And I asked her how she was doing. And she replied, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Any full-time homemaker knows this story. In some ways, work in a business setting had been easier. There were known expectations and protocol. If you worked hard, generally, you were going to be rewarded. This new full-time role didn't have any of those benefits. <laughs> and she realized that challenges just kept coming and coming. But there was another problem, too. In her excitement at being home more, she signed up to volunteer for too many efforts at her school, at the community, in the community, joining several local organizations because of her professional background. And she filled her schedule with other good deeds and activities beyond the obvious new focus on her children. Can you relate to my friend? <laughs> Who here does not feel exhausted on a regular basis? I think the majority of us living in Metro New York and Fairfield County are perpetually tired. We are on the go and on the run. In studying today's scripture, I realized this text was for me. Like Moses, I'm now in a new area of leadership, and the temptation in starting this call as one of your shepherds is to work in a way that will exhaust and weary me. I have known many days like that in my previous calls as a nonprofit director, a chaplain, and a professor. I love the pastoral work I've already gotten to begun in this last week. Um, but I'm also aware and realize if I'm not careful about nurturing my walk with Jesus, I will have little in my cup to offer. But I have good news for all of us here this morning. This text from Exodus 18 provides us with a secret to not be exhausted all the time. Our friend Moses was on the road to burnout. God sent Jethro, his father-in-law, to guide and warn him about exhaustion. Jethro observes and asks Moses about his work administering justice to God's people in the wilderness. And once Moses explains, Jethro is honest in his assessment about this. In verse 17, we heard him warn Moses, what you are doing is not good. Jethro knows well that we are all capable of trying to manage everything on our own. And a false pride in us wants to believe that we are indispensable. 
Why do we do this? Well, it gives us a sense of importance. One of you shared with me this week that the more competent we are, the harder it is to trust God. We want to be in control. Without control, we are terrified. Surrendering control to God and others is not only counterintuitive, it feels risky, even foolhardy. That is precisely what Jethro is advising Moses to do. Let go and let God direct and let others lead with you. We are often self-directed rather than God-directed when we forget God's provision for us in the past, in our places of weakness. We get in situations where we don't trust God. Pastor Nathan preached on this theme last week, talking about our need to learn to trust God in the trials and in wilderness experiences. If you didn't get to hear it, I encourage you to listen in on our Facebook or podcast There are many lessons we can take with us from the wilderness. In fact, it's in the wilderness where we are the most teachable. Moses was, and we see this in verse 24, he listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Thankfully, we are given from this text some instructions about how to do this. Moses is told he needs to provide teaching for the people and training for people of character. We read they are the ones who fear or respect God, they're trustworthy and won't cheat. They can judge the easier cases and then the more difficult ones can go to Moses, as it says, to make your load lighter. Jethro speaks out of care and concern. You can see this in verse 18. He tells him, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Moses can empower others to use their gifts and extend the reach of God's justice work among the people. God looks at our hearts in determining who is fit for service. But Moses had to open his hands to receive this gift from God. I love how God uses Jethro, a Midianite, as the mouthpiece to present the master plan of delegation and the qualities of a trustworthy leader. But what is required of Moses or of us to do so? We must be faithful to submit our plans to God, listening to his leading in his word, prayer, and wise counsel, and to share our burdens. When we share our load, whether it is in judging or managing or praying, grieving or gifting, we are sharing power. We are trusting others. And this is hard for us, all of us, especially if we've been hurt by others or let down in the past. Just as it is hard to trust God, it can be equally hard to trust others. But this text shows us we need each other so much. We can't do life alone, and we weren't built that way. Let's look together at verse 23. Jethro tells Moses, If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Notice what will happen as we move into trusting God and others. If God directs 
you will endure, or other versions say, you will stand the strain, and the people will go in peace or be satisfied. That is the right order. When God directs, you will be capable of blessing others. Some of us may be caregiving for a loved one or moms with young children. We all know the story well of the oxygen mask that they tell us on the airplane. Put it on yourself first and then put it on others around you. In trusting God and deepening your walk with Jesus, you will be able to live lives that allow you to care well for those dependent on you. I have a personal story I wanted to share with you from my previous role as the director of the Greenwich Center for Hope and Renewal. Some of you may not know it, it's just down the road here in the old Sandwich Church building, and it's a faith-based counseling center, started there 11 years ago. So we had some challenges working through a special use permit with the town's planning and zoning. And Nathan encouraged me to share this story with you. After being there for over a decade without incident, a few neighbors filed complaints with the town wanting us to leave the area. And it was a two-year struggle where the outcome was not guaranteed. And there were times I was tempted to believe that it all depended on me. One November afternoon, a few hours before one of our many planning and zoning meetings, I was in the chapel at 237 Taconic, kneeling at the altar, and I wept, feeling the weight of all that was at stake and trying to come to terms with how misunderstood we were in some people's eyes. And it felt like it all rested on me. But what came in that chapel moment was God's embrace and support. While I was still hurting, God dried my tears and assured me I was not in this alone. The words that came at that time were ones that Beth Bergman had sent me earlier as one of the co-chairs of the Stanwich Elder Board, all of whom stood behind us throughout that trial. And her words were from Scripture, the battle is not ours, but God's. When those words came, I just felt the chains fall off and the weight was lifted. This does not depend on me, but on God. And I want to say a personal thank you to my Stanwich Church family for all the ways you and others in the community supported the center and me personally through that trial. I cannot imagine that season without all of you in it. Sandwich leaders were sending scripture that God put on their heart for us. Valerie was on the other co-chair on the elder board. She was also on the executive committee of our board. And she had frequent prayer calls with the board and sometimes even with the Sandwich elders as well. The clergy and staff could not have been more supportive. Nathan wrote a letter and then read it aloud to the planning and zoning. Chuck and Joan spoke on our behalf. Jackie and Mike were there as frequently as prayer support for the process. Neely even flew in from Jacksonville to present a letter to the planning and zoning. Our executive director, Bob, attended every meeting and was often there with me till the early hours of the morning. Our latest night went till 2.30 in the morning. And Sheila spoke truth in a way that turned the tide for us against the false claims about Stanwich's use of the space at the center while it was still the church. 
so many of you not only prayed for all of us, but wrote letters to the town and the paper in support of us. You came to meetings and wore t-shirts and buttons. And you even shared some personal stories of how the center had been there for you or for someone you loved. In my life, that season will always be like It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey realizes how much his life has changed others. George in the story represents the staff and the team and the counselors and boards that have made up the center and the wonderful way God has used their faithful counseling to heal and transform pain to purpose. I knew at that time, not only does it not depend on me, it is God's, but also I needed others in it with me for my own hope and renewal. In this congregation, many of us are in charge of a lot of things, whether it's children, students, employees, divisions, or corporations. And let me ask you, who is God of all these people? As we pray for them, can we trust God will direct, guide, and lead? Can we have that faith for our own children or for those closest to us? We exhaust ourselves when we think it all depends on us, but we can discover that there is a God of all that we think we are responsible for. Jesus might have thought that it rightly depended all on him, but we don't hear that in the scripture. We don't hear he's worn out. His example to us is one of someone who knew how to rest and how to draw away for prayer, he knew how to share some of his burdens with his disciples and to train them to do his work. His pattern of rest doesn't look like he thought it all depended on him. Even though he did the finished work on the cross unto death for us, how can we remember this and not just go back to our frenetic lives when we leave this morning? Well, part of what I want to remind you is that when we come to the communion table, each week, we remind each other of the story of God's faithfulness to us, of our need for a Savior, and of God's loving response to send Jesus to take on our sin and to stand in our place that we might be made right with God. We remember in the sacraments when we sing and worship and pray and study God's text that God directing allows us to bless others with all that we need to do that. God knew we couldn't live God-directed lives apart from Jesus' saving faith and resurrection. We needed a model by seeing how Jesus lived and delegating his ministry to his inner circle and then to others around him and compelling us to go and do likewise. We needed not only a model, but we needed a savior who could rescue us from our sin to live in his freedom. God cares about us intimately and doesn't want us to exhaust ourselves doing his work in our own strength. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are his officials sent to bring God's justice to earth just as Moses and his officials did 
for God's people in the wilderness. Judging or justice is making all things right. And in doing so, we're helping to usher in God's reconciliation, God's restoration, and God's peace or shalom, which is God's wholeness and completion. So if we let God direct, we will endure and the people will go in peace. I can't think of a better text to be assigned on my first sermon as one of your pastors. In my human propensity to try to manage things on my own, God lovingly directed me to study and pray through Jethro's wise counsel. And I want to hear and to heed the warning. If I try to do the ministry of care and connection in my own strength, it is not good. And I will wear myself out. I need God's direction, Jesus' yoke and rest, and others to come alongside to share the burden, to join the mission, so together we can work towards God's just and loving kingdom. I want to end with a powerful example of Stanwich Church sharing God's love, which came to me on the first day of doing visitation to the hospital and to a home. I do have permission to share this story. Uh, I met on Monday with Gary and Jane Palmer, And because of last Sunday's pulpit announcement, four of you had already contacted them on Sunday to ask to help, to give rides, to shovel a driveway, to bring a meal, and another brought a meal. I was so touched by that outpouring of care and support for one another. Well done. This church's DNA is already to love well. My friends, we are invited, as was Moses, to receive God's love and direction, and then give it to others. And in doing so, we share our stories of God's grace and mercy to a world in need. May it be so. Amen.